Hello and welcome to Tales to Admonish. On this week's episode, we'll be diving into the premiere episodes from Joss Whedon's new project, The Nevers, as well as the new series number one on Netflix right now, Jupiter's Legacy. And in smaller news, we'll be speaking a little bit more about the Carnage trailer, some of the recent Golden Globe controversies, and people getting guns pulled on them for trying to buy Pokemon cards. Donald Glover's got some things to say about the industry and then goes on and does Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And He-Man's got some things to say about your childhood. So join us as we explore these topics and more on this week's episode of Tales to Admonish. Tales to Admonish! (laughs) We just keep setting it up that way. I don't know how long we're going to do this, but every single time we just do it that way. It's fun. How you doing, sir? Hey, man. Excited to talk to my good friend. Thomas Olton. I know, I know, I know. I've been uh, I've been keeping a hot eye on everything uh, this week because I'm always like, now I'm like taking notes, like, oh, I got to talk about this for the last thing. I got to talk about that. I got to talk about this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, like things, so are, things are slowly kind of going back to normal and it feels so nice. And also it just feels not to be like stressed out all the time, you know, because like, uh, yeah, we can go to the movie theater again. I actually have tickets for a baseball game. Oh next my weekend. god! Isn't that I'm going to go to the Yankee game next weekend, like because I'm fully vaccinated, and so is Rachel and my sister. Fantastic! And, uh, we figure there'll be never be another chance in my life to go to Yankee Stadium with nine thousand people in the stands. So while it is going to feel weird, I'm looking forward to it. Good listeners, Rachel is Tom's better half. <laughs> <laughs> much better half. Much much better half. We eventually got to get her on the show. Yeah, for sure. We'll get her on one day. I'll just have to like buy a second microphone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm still doing this on the super budget. So yeah, we'll get her in in, in for sure. Cause um, she's always got good stuff to st- say and she's very well versed in the whole uh, geekdom. Mm-hmm. By, if no, virtue of nothing else living with me and having to make room for all my damn comic books. <laughs> <laughs> so needless to say, she's a saint. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you who are not a saint. Uh, saints these days uh, apparently target is going to stop selling trading cards because people are pulling guns on each other for pokemon cards yeah sounds like a tuesday <laughs> in america <laughs> i couldn't believe it I thought, they're not going to sell pokemon cards they're not going to sell baseball cards basketball cards any of that stuff because uh the sports card speculation market right now is absolutely insane and <laughs> so people are getting really really active in trying to find the stuff. And that is apparently often turning violent. And so to protect their employees, um, Pokemon fanboys and uh, baseball card fanatics are not going to be able to find their cards at their store anymore. (sighs) I don't know, man. I mean, this stuff is like so normal to me now. It's like, I mean, like whenever, whenever it's like black Friday and like this, like, I mean, South Park made fun of this famously, like so hilariously. Like the the like what people are you know you know basically manipulated into getting into these like uh, tirades about you know like whenever they they launch yeah, a yeah. new console, I mean, uh, this is kind of like retro now. They they you know they would fight over the consoles in the parking lot, get stolen, mm-hmm, get mm-hmm. shot. Um, it's so funny like the technology and the uh, and the pandemic kind of curbed that a little bit because. 
you know, like they use bots to buy up all the consoles. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I guess I guess that helped for a lot of people not to get uh, killed per capita <laughs> this year for the play, PlayStation Five Jesus release. Christ, you know, so it doesn't surprise me at all that people are fighting over trading cards. You know, especially Pokemon cards. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to get shot for a trading card, that's the one to get shot for. Yeah, man. You know, it's if super you're out popular, there getting right? shot picking up Yu-Gi-Oh cards, you don't even want your face in the news. <laughs> super popular, right? <laughs> yeah, it's got shot over some Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Uh, were they, were they, they wasn't even Pokemon cards. <laughs> I mean, people are serious about these Pokemon, oh, man. Shit. Like, they, they've, they've walked off of cliffs playing the game that they loved, you know? <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. Re- walked walked right into running trains. Like, they're so focused on Pokemon, man. Oh, don't mean to laugh, but that's that's No, I know, crazy. I know. Where, uh, where self-indulgence and toxic fandom meet, yeah. Pokemon. Oh, my gosh. Jesus Christ. So I thought that was at least worth noting. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, you read anything good this week? Uh, about comics or anything? Anything at all. Oh, I mean, the only th- only thing only thing I'm reading is the new Runaway series, um, which I I can't wait to actually talk about because it, it uh, Whedon has a very specific, you know, I don't want to bury the lead. Uh, I, I won't, I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> but anyway, right. but anyway, uh, <laughs> Runaways, uh, Runaways, like they 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 started a new series in 2017. So that's kind of the only thing I'm reading right now. Um, I did. I did. Uh, Scott Pilgrim had its tenth uh, ten year anniversary, and that's like my. Oh, yeah, fa- yeah, that's yeah, my favorite that. film of all time. I think that's Rachel's favorite movie of all time. If you had to oh, ask me what sick. Rachel's favorite movie ever was, Scott Pilgrim would definitely be in the top three. So good. So I got to see that in the theater, and it's it's interesting. It there's there's a couple of things in there that it hasn't really aged that well. I mean, yeah. in, in this time of. Um, like uh, being woke and me too and all this type of stuff. It, it really, it really gives you like different lenses on things that came out of the past. So it's like, man, like we used to laugh at that. That's like, it's like really crazy to laugh at that now. <laughs> I, I, well, I think part of what helps it at least a little bit is, is that Scott Pilgrim is a jerk, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like certain things where you might wince a little bit, um, you should be wincing at Scott Pilgrim. There's a mm-hmm. reason that Nega Scott is actually a pretty nice guy. Nega Scott. Scott. Yeah, <laughs> Scott Pilgrim is the piece of shit. <laughs> he's like, oh, wow, actually, he's a really nice guy. You're like, yeah, because you're a dick. <laughs> he's the opposite of you. That's why he's cool. Yeah, it's still still my favorite film, but it was just, it's just interesting seeing it in a theater again. It's just like when, when it's on a screen that's that large like, and you're with a crowd of people, you know, it winds up being very exposed in a way. Um, yeah, so for sure. that, that was that was a really cool experience. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, what what apparently is not going to be a good film experience for you is, is we were talking a little bit about our thoughts on Venom and Carnage and that whole Sony project Boo, uh, last time, earns. and we actually. Funny enough, like the day after we recorded that, the actual trailer for Carnage comes out and uh, we all got to see, you know, about three minutes of, of uh, what's going on in that film. What did you think, Tom? <sighs> see, we talked about this briefly and I, I feel like I'm going to reiterate some of the stuff I said, which is that I have moderate expectations for what this movie is going to be. That said, I think some of the visual effects look fun. 
Uh, I like to be largely positive about stuff. I don't have high hopes for this movie because we, and we've beaten this horse so hard is that I don't think much of Woody Harrelson in the role. Um, I think that uh, it's, it's just, it's a whole, the dynamic becomes totally weird and off. That said, I think there's a place for comic book movies for not comic book movie fans. And I think this is a comic book movie for people who are not fans of comic book movies or not fans of comic books, at least. The thing, the thing that is a really good thing going for this is that Andy Serkis is directing it. Probably um, best thing did, going for it. Did you see um, his Mowgli movie? No, I didn't see the Jungle Book by Andy Serkis. Yeah, you gotta you, you gotta check that out. He made a lot of really cool choices in that movie, uh, so you should you should check that out. But uh, <laughs> that's that's the you know as as a complete non fan of the first Venom movie, I got refused to see it. <laughs> like I'm just, I know. like I'm so tired of this type of stuff by other studios who don't really like they're not they're not making the story out of the love of the character. They're making this the movie out of desperation because they have to keep the rights to the character. And that makes it unattainable, you know? It's really, really annoying. Yeah, I see what you're saying with that. I totally, I get that. But I also think that, I think part of it is, like I said last time, I think it's, it's the it's the growing up process of making these types of movies. And I I agree with you that they don't seem to have any reverence for the source material. The fact that the trailer very clearly says no heroes are coming to save you and the guy smashes a spider a spider on the screen. I mean, they're telling you very clearly, don't expect Spider-Man. Don't just don't expect him. It's not coming. And so I and that's a that good choice. How, why? It's not a good choice. <laughs> okay. It's not a good choice for comic book fans. It's a terrible choice for comic book fans. Because if you're a fan of the source material, what you're really wanting is you're wanting Spider-Man living in that universe. What they're telling you right now is, fuck you. Like, that's why. Well, how come Spider-Man's not going to show up? Because fuck you. That's why. We're making this movie... Venom is our hero slash anti-hero because superheroes that kill is apparently all the, you know, all the rage right now. And so what we're going to do is we got a superhero that kills and he's going to go up against an even crazier killer. And also, might I add, the um, the trailer gives us our first look at um, uh, Shriek which was introduced uh, back in 1993. And um, she's a mutant in the comics, so it's going to be interesting to see how they deal with that aspect of it. So again, we're going to see a massive deviation from the source material. But to your point, and certainly in your opinion, not to their credit, they don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, my other problem is um, it's, not like, it's not like Woody Harrelson is a bad actor at all. He's not a bad no, actor no. at all. He's, he's he's definitely oversaturated, and it's like the parts that he plays now is just he just plays Woody Harrelson, like that's <laughs> that's, that's what he does. Critique. Yeah, like that's just what he does. And so to then have him, this is the thing that really drove me up a wall because I I you know I saw the 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 um the uh the 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 end cut scene for Venom. You know, where they show this kind of crazed, like the most generic, most, uh, you know, crappy version of, a, of an insane person. You know, with Woody Harrison with this really, yeah, really bad wig and a straight jacket. And it's just like, you guys didn't put any thought into this. So then on the trailer, they try to change it up and uh, like have him do a, another 
basic ass serial killer delivery. And, mm-hmm. and but he just looks more like Woody Harrelson now. <laughs> You know, <laughs> but the wig is better. The wig is better. They took the note. You have to give them credit on that. They at least took the goddamn nope. note. Nope. Right. Well, if nothing else, can we agree that we're excited that my Spider-Man Unlimited number one is now worth forty bucks? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about the card speculating market, man, on the comic speculating market. I love that shit. When they mm-hmm. announced Deadpool 2 and I was like, oh, do I have Domino's first issue? I do have Domino's first issue. Oh, man, issue. I love Domino. Oh, man. Or Spider-Man, when they when I saw Shriek in the trailer, I was like, got my comic app out and I was like, Shriek's first appearance, Spider-Man Unlimited number one. Did I buy that when I was 14? Well, fuck me. I bought that when I was 14. <laughs> <laughs> Heck yeah. Good job past me. Oh, that's great. Good job, past Tommy. That's right. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, we told mom they're not worthless. No, my mom was the best. She bought me so many damn comic books. She she loved that shit. Oh man, give it up for Miss Olton. That's right. That's right. Giving it up. But um when we're when we're talking about the the cast maybe not being so great for the Carnage trailer, I'll tell you one thing where the cast is a hundred percent beyond reproach. Have you seen who they got lined up for the new He-Man show? Sorry, Masters of the Universe Revelations. No, uh, I know I know that uh, Mark Bernard and Kevin are working on that show. Kevin Smith is working on that show. Like, who's who's the cast that they got? Oh, son, for an old He-Man head like me, I had all the action figures as a kid. But let me, I'm going to do the quick like a bunny rundown. Number one, they got the same production company that made the Castlevania cartoons, which are incredibly popular Whoa. and look fantastic. So that's who's making the thing. Oh so we got God. Chris that's Wood awesome. from Supergirl is He-Man. We got Mark Hamill as Skeletor. That's fantastic. We've got uh, Lena Headley from Game of Thrones as his sidekick, Evil Lynn. You got Sarah Michelle Gellar doing Tila. Alicia Silverstone is playing the Queen uh, Marlena. Kevin Conroy, Batman himself as Merman. And then, and then they went back and got the OG Skeletor from the 1985 cartoon. Alan Oppenheimer got him out of retirement, and now he's Moss Man. Uh, you got Susan Eisenberg, who's basically Wonder Woman in every DC everything as a sorceress. Mm-hmm. And just backing up that cast, we got Henry Rollins, Tony Todd, Dietrich Bader, and Justin Long. Was I ever going to say those four names in a row ever? <laughs> <laughs> And to boot, the last one I'll give you is that Steven Root plays Cringer the Cat. Get the <laughs> fuck out of here. Like every Man. single one of those motherfuckers is completely beyond reproach. Oh my God, I need to listen to some recent Fat Man Batmans. Like, I mean, this is insane, this cast. Like, they, I, I know they, they had to spend at least six hours talking about this, like on their... They're usually long uh, podcast. <laughs> oh, shit. And how did I miss out? Kevin Michael Richardson, the classic. Dr. Yeah. Hibbert himself is also on it as well. I oh, mean, yeah. fuck, man. And when I was a kid, that was my era. Like the 1984, 1985, I'd be about five years old, six years old. And He-Man action figures for days. I had a He-Man birthday party when I was seven I oh I'm I, like I wasn't excited for it and then um I saw a little blurb with the new stills that looked fantastic and then I was like let me see who's on this and every name one after the other is an all star there is literally no weak weak link in this chain it looks great does uh, Kevin Michael Richardson do, do Hibbert now 
Well, he was Dr. Hibbert forever. I'm, I'm not sure if he, he's still on the show. I believe so. Um, most recently, we'd know him as the voice of uh, Goro from Mortal Kombat. <laughs> mm, yeah. And uh, also, he usually he's plays the, those type of characters. Yeah, oh, he's I thought, the Mauler twins I, I on Harry, Invincible. Harry Shearer was uh, Dr. Hibbert. I, m- I remember they were trying to replace the character. I, mm. I actually auditioned for uh, Hibbert and, and, and Lou and Carl. The the new oh, guy shit. that the new guy that they have doing Carl's pretty good, but I didn't think they uh, replaced Hibbert yet. So because I know mm. I know Harry Shearer did uh, Hibbert. I will defer to you on that one. Oh, okay. <laughs> I could have sworn he was Doctor Hibbert, or he might be the new Doctor Hibbert, but I. I, I stand that I could be wrong. I won't put oh, okay. a bet on this one because I'm not super confident. But in any event, <laughs> um, how did I miss out on him? He's also on the damn show, which is mm-hmm. amazing. So this shit looks good. That's crazy, man. Who is actually playing He-Man? Is it Diedrich? Is Diedrich? He-Man is going to be Chris Wood. Chris Wood, okay. Yep, Chris Wood is uh, playing He-Man. Let's see. Uh Dietrich Bader. Dietrich's voice is always so funny. (laughs) He is Trapped Jaw, which is going to be fucking great. Oh my God. So I didn't, I didn't know what tone that they were having for this. I didn't know if it was going to be like more of a comedy, but like they're going serious, like anime. uh, Yeah. Yeah. They really, really are. They said it's going to be serious. They want the uh, tune to have real stakes and they have said that they are not afraid to kill characters that that Man, was formerly I'm... verboten in the He-Man universe and that but that's a tool that they are putting in the toolbox. They refuse to say if they will or won't, but they're saying they reserve the right. Yeah, they might as well. It's not like they're going to run for like four seasons or something. Who knows? Who knows what it'll have? But I mean, I, well look, uh Shira Princess of Power did five seasons, so why couldn't this run for more than four? Well, Shira is not like the same amount of quality that they're probably going for this. You know, that's a fair point. Like yeah, this animation. looks this does look a hell of a lot more expensive. This, than this that seems did. like something that could be done in like two, three seasons. Now, who? But anyway, like you said, who knows? That's awesome, man. Oh, man, I'm, I'm so I'm so happy for the I'm so happy for Mark and Kevin. Mm-hmm. Lord, this is so dope. It looks man. good. It really does look good. I mean, I'm a Kevin Smith fan. I like Mark Bernard, and so I might be a little mm-hmm. bit biased. But as a He-Man fan, from like, there's a little piece of like six-year-old me that is like, yes, this looks good. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not biased. Like, I'll, I'll always call out Kevin's stuff when it's not that great. You know why I think he's perfect for this project is that Kevin Smith is like Dr. Fan Service. His movies exist purely to service people who love Kevin Smith movies. Mm-hmm. If you don't like Kevin Smith movies, do not watch Kevin Smith movies because you will not <laughs> like them. You know, um, but... In He-Man, fuck yeah, I want fan service. When I see that you got the original guy, the original Skeletor on the project, like that just like makes me even want it even more. You're like, ooh, ooh, you went and found this little piece of my fucking childhood that was retired and you stuck it back on the screen. I'm oh, gonna watch that. I, th- I, th- I thought you said Mark Hamill's doing Skeletor. Who's, who's no, 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 no. Mark Hamill's doing Skeletor, but they got the OG Skeletor to be um, Moss Man. Oh, okay. I was, I was like, oh, okay. So in the cartoon, Skeletor has his three main henchmen, which would be Evil Lynn, like his second in command. And then you got Trapjaw and Moss Man are like the next two big ones. So mm-hmm. Oppenheimer will be factoring into the episodes, I'm sure. I just mean they got OG Skeletor to come back and be on the project. That's dope. Fucking A, that's dope. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's see what else is going on. 
Uh, exciting stuff that's coming out. Um, you said fucking A, so we could just say fucking Atlanta. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Donald Glover. <laughs> Saw that you'd post on your social media the Donald Glover quote that he put out. Um, you want to give me some context on that? Yes. He, uh, he basically said that uh, cancel culture is making everything boring. <laughs> and uh, I mean, there, there's there's definitely uh, some merit to that. Um, I, I I'm on both sides of it. It's just like it, let's let's work to you know be more inclusive and and be more creative. But at, um, but on the other side of that is just like yeah, people too afraid to uh, um, yeah, people too afraid to like take chances and stuff because they're in fear that they're going to get canceled and stuff. See, it's funny. I read that a little bit differently. When I first read that through, I thought he was saying basically that people were afraid to do like inventive programming because that programming subsequently gets canceled. Um, I think if you read both ways, I don't know if he's clarified on that a little bit because, you know, he works in the world of television. So being canceled, yes, we are in the process of canceling shitty people right now. Mm-hmm. Um uh, who are really canceling themselves, but um, also a lot of times some of the most inventive shows get canceled. I don't know. There's like, there's like, there's really, there, there really are two sides to it because you have, you have people that cancel themselves and then you have a, some voracious hordes who are looking for anything they can to cancel somebody. True. You know, true. Uh, like they'll to going back to like oh, we saw this post that you put eleven years ago. <laughs> it's like Jesus Christ! Like like what they can, did can't to you James look at everything Gunn. that he's done recently? People change and grow, and, and I don't know. It's like it's pretty crazy, you know. So I guess that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm on kind of both sides of it because like there's definitely a lot of merit to what um, uh, to what Donald is saying is saying, but at the same time, it's just like it's. It's it's the the us being socially aware and conscious of these things, we need to learn how to move in this new era, and and still keep our creativity intact without like um, harming people. You know? Yeah, yeah. Especially people that have been like down on the ground with people's like you know foot pressed firmly across their face like for years and years and years. You know. Um, well, I think if anybody's got the credibility to make that kind of statement, it's it's clearly Donald Glover. Now, I know I took a cheap stab at him because one of his upcoming projects is that these Yeah, I heard that in the beginning. Developing. I was like, it I was, was like, ooh, it was Tom. A cheap. It was a little cheap. That's look, nasty. look, look. That's nasty, I know, don't Tom. come for the king because <laughs> Donald Glover is amazing. <laughs> but I had to take a little jab because when you have in the same article the quote about people not taking chances and you're like, we're doing Mr. and Mrs. Smith, the TV show. Like, <laughs> uh, I can't, I just, I had to take a little poke. Now, if anybody can get away with that shit, Donald Glover can get away with it. Like Childish Gambino himself and with the quality of the programming that he is putting out with Atlanta, like nobody, 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 nobody is going to come at him for not taking chances. Teddy Perkins was the hugest (laughs) fucking chance. And God damn, did it pay off in such a big way. So my man lives, lives in that ballpark. So if he wants to go in and call it out, yeah, that that dude's a genius. That dude's a straight up genius. Um, yeah, for anyone listening, if you aren't watching Atlanta, they're working on seasons three and four right now. Seasons one and two are available on Hulu, and you should watch them immediately. 
Yeah, I mean, the crazy thing about Atlanta is that he had the Trojan horse that in. You know, because it's so funny the way Donald was treat, treated before, like, people realized, like, like how great he was. Mm-hmm, you know, because mm-hmm. he was he was he was of the head writer of the Deadpool animated series. Yeah, that's and, right. He was. Yeah, they they let him go because it was basically too black. Like he had <laughs> scenes where Jay Z was talking about not Jay Z. He had scenes where Deadpool was talking about Beyonce and Jay Z, and that made people uncomfortable. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying. And so yeah. so even 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 with Atlanta. Like he wouldn't able to make Atlanta the way like Atlanta was like you know eventually going to be, like he had the Trojan horse Atlanta in. Yeah, he because, said he lied you know, about the pitch when he originally made it. Yeah, they they had the they wanted a basic ass um you know rags to riches story and you know um, insider industry stuff of a rapper coming into prominence, you know. And, <laughs> I love you know. the voice you chose to give that in. <laughs> uh, yeah, be, be, because they they always chain us, man. They chain us to you know to put to to you know kind of retrofit us into this like little cubicle and 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 then like kind of like squirt us out the way they want us to be squirted out, you know, like with, with our with our stories and stuff. And yeah, like I mean that that's just how it's been for years and years and years, you know, like. Now that there's a lot of more black power um, that that are controlling their productions and their scripts and their stories, it's no wonder we're seeing so much amazing black content now. Yeah, but bef- yeah, for sure. Before you'd have studios and people's like, oh, well, like, you know, China won't like this. I mean, we can't sell Denzel Washington to China. <laughs> you know, like all this type of like really just like yeah, yeah, closed yeah. closed minded thinking. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's it's just crazy. So. Yeah, I always give it up to Donald, man. Like Word. he's fantastic. I mean, this is America music video. Oh my god, it's like best video of the decade. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to just sit down and just watch it. It's it's mm-hmm. without you know considering it. It's there's nothing passive about viewing that video at all. You just cannot mm-hmm. just you can't. That's that will never be background anywhere. Mm-hmm. That's pretty awesome. But, you know, and, and to Donald's point, you know, we're seeing a lot of the, that thinking fall out with things like the Golden Globes. I mean, NBC recently announced that they have canceled the 2022 Golden Globes. Now, I don't know if that cancels the ceremony entirely, but it means that they aren't going to show it. And they have been on record as saying they can do whatever they want to rectify their problems, but we don't believe there's enough time between now and 2022 for them to make any meaningful progress. So we're going to give them till 2023 because they need to take all of that time and fix their representation problem. I mean, this this is the most grandiose form of virtue signaling. Like so? everyone, yes, everyone and their mama know, know about the Golden Globes. Like, like how unblack the Golden Globes have been for years and years and years. Like, and to take to take this stance as if, oh my gosh, look how unblack they are. Like, you were, you guys were fine with this a couple of years ago, you know? See, it's funny. It might just be like, um, I'm not like fuck the Golden Globes because they don't have uh, black people. I'm like fuck the Golden Globes because who gives a shit about stupid award ceremonies? So, like for me, I was like oh shit, this was some big secret that got found out. And now you're telling me, no, nah, we always knew. It's just, it just hit the news now. So for people like me who don't even pay attention to this shit, this was news. But you're saying, fuck, this has been going on for a long time. Yeah, it's been going on for a long time. Like, I mean, like, I mean it's, it's, it was the same thing with the Oscars. 
well, yeah, Oscar's <laughs> so white and all that. You know, yeah, it was the same thing with the Oscars. And like, I mean, and they telegraph the stuff that they do. I, I mean, like, it's, ugh, it's so disgusting. I don't even watch. I haven't watched the Oscars in so long because it's just annoying. It's the same yeah. thing with the Grammys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, like they do everything they can to make new categories, so these talented black artists can't get best album of the year. <laughs> no, you could get neo contemporary around the street corner of eleventh and third award. You know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh man, I always dreamed of winning my neo contemporary eleventh avenue around the street award. <laughs> Ever since I was five years old, that was the one, man. That was the one. I used to write that shit on my baseball trophies. I mean, I had to get two markers, but but it was worth it. <laughs> You're so right. You're so right. But can we agree? Can we agree that Tony's still cool? The Tonys are all right. We could. The we Tonys could are the, the Tonys. best. The Tonys yeah. are the best. The best. Of, the best award shows are the Tonys and the BET Awards. All right, I don't often watch the BET Awards. I'm gonna throw it out there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, dude. It's just a B. Like that's fine, but it's just like a <laughs> BET Awards. The BET Awards are, are always entertaining, like because they have right. all the most talented people there singing, performing, and then they then they they do dedications. I'm getting tingles right now thinking about all the best. <laughs> episodes of the BT Awards. Like people sleep on BT Awards because oh that's for black people. <laughs> you know? Well well amen. Then I'll be sure to catch the BET Awards this yeah, year. Yeah, of course it's a, a, of course it goes out saying the Tony's like all the talent in the room. <laughs> yeah the Tony's uh, are fantastic man. Alright cool but like so fuck the Oscars talent, and like, the Golden Globes and the Emmys and all oh, that. Oh hell shit. yeah. Fuck them. I never really paid you know, attention like, to any of that stuff. Yeah, I just I just hate performative stuff. Like yeah. you guys are just on a bandwagon now and and then and you're trying to act like you're superior to other people when you are guilty of the same stuff. You know, like shut up. Uh, you know? You're so right. I'm, I'm, it, I never so forget right. when Denzel um got the Oscar um for it wasn't Hurricane. It was for Training Day. And but they 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 gave an Oscar to him, they gave an Oscar to Holly Berry for basically being uh, a Billy Bob Thornton's whore, and 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 Holy then um, and then uh, they also gave an Oscar to, I believe, Sidney Poitier for the Manchurian and Candidate. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no. All right, all joking aside, it wasn't for the Manchurian Candidate, though. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, it was a lifetime achievement award. <laughs> no, um, so but Denzel, I mean, who's not freaking dumb at all, he made this admit he made he made this comment. Oh, you guys killed three birds and one stone, didn't you? Oh shit. Yeah, man. It's like mm. the Os like to the Oscars. They, you know, like they feel like they're letting this prestigious thing, like, oh, we're giving this gift upon you, we are validating you, and like, like as if like there's some gods or something. We like you. We you know? really, really like you. Yeah, man. And it's just like, ugh, like what they gave the the what they gave Holly Berry an Oscar for was insane. <laughs> like, for, like that they didn't give that Oscar to Angela Bassett for what's love got to do with it. Or they didn't give um, Denzel the um, the Oscar 
for Mac- Malcolm X or the hurricane. Like, they wanted to give us Oscars for these kind of deplorable characters, you know? And then wanted to make a show of it. Uh, What do you think? Maybe like training day was like a makeup Oscar. Like, sorry, we fucked up Malcolm X. Here you go. Yeah. They give a a lot of those out. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know? And, and uh, yeah, he shouldn't have been gotten an Oscar for training day. It's like, cause like, what are they saying? Look, he's, he's acting really niggerish. He's really good. We we're used to seeing him play respectful, boring, respectful roles. But look, he's acting really black. <laughs> Let's give him Oscar. Jesus. God. And then Holly and then Holly Berry. Oh man, she fucks good on screen. Let's give her an Oscar. Damn, we're gonna have to put a mature content warning on this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so all my you know, to all my white friends listening to this at a gas station with your windows down, like <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Tom, you were just you were just cursing. A couple uh, of minutes ago. <laughs> uh, no, I was just saying end bomb warnings. End bomb warnings. Jesus. Oh my gosh. Please, careful, careful with my white sensibilities, Arthur. Please. <laughs> Clutching my pearls over here. Getting the vapors and all that other shit from the 1900s. Or am I going to a full Victorian fit? <laughs> well shit talk about inappropriate posturing in the victorian era i mean I, could there be a better segue to the nevers tell me about it bro <laughs> <laughs> all right so right off the bat if you're listening to this and you haven't watched hbo's new series the nevers please go and do so you can pause we're gonna do a little bit of a spoiler free discussion but we reserve the right nay the privilege <laughs> To spoil the shit out of this thing. <laughs> so please, later on, we'll do a little spoilery, but right now we're just going to kick the tires on a little bit. And of course, can't talk about the Nevers without talking about the man who created it, wrote it, produced it, and directed the first few episodes, um, Joss Whedon, who is now, as I understand it, officially fucking canceled. Cancel him! Cancel him now! <laughs> cancel, cancel, cancel! He is 100% canceled, but Joss Whedon is that rare, rare breed of person who is not canceled purely for sexual indiscretions, of which there are no concrete examples, but a hell of a lot of innuendo, but specifically for just being a dick. (laughs) Like, do you know how big of a dick you got to be in Hollywood to be canceled for being a dick without some concrete sexual allegations? Like, Mm mm-hmm. And let's let's preface this by saying that there are a lot of people who have gone on the record about creepy behavior, but there have been no specific instances of uh, sexual assault or abuse that have ever been levied against the man with any substantial uh, uh, backing up or credibility or even anyone vocalizing that in a distinct manner. What they say typically about him is, is that he... He's concerning in his behavior and that more than that, he is absolutely unequivocally the worst kind of Hollywood, you know, asshole that he that he believes his own hype, that he is drinking his own Kool-Aid and much like the people of Jonestown, he will die for it. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah. So that leaves us with an interesting place when talking about his art, you know, I mean, like, I mean, look, look at the time that we're in, you know. It's just like, you know, everybody 
everybody basically lives in the gray area. You know, like you, you, everyone commits crimes, whether they're small, petty, or huge. You know, but but then the the people that are uh, basically in the limelight, you know, like they're they're there for everybody's persecution. You know, and it's it's just, it's really disgusting hearing about the stuff yeah, that yeah. he's done that basically is the normal behavior for Hollywood for decades, <laughs> you know, but, but now they, now when somebody yeah. has a spotlight yeah, on them, yeah. everyone can, can uh, like kind of pile drive on top of that person. It's like, it was, it was a trip when they were going on Harvey Weinstein. Cause it's just like, okay, well, are you going to get on every Hollywood producer? We won't have a Hollywood. <laughs> True. But then maybe, you know, then maybe we shouldn't. If that's, if that's, I'm just saying, I'm just, that's what I'm saying though. But my thing is like, why are you guys just focusing on this one person? You know, so like I feel like that's another thing that's happening here with Joss. It's like you guys are focused on this one person when y'all know, when y'all know all the different people that are associated with this type of stuff. Well, you know, no, no, and and I agree with you on that. But I'm gonna again, and as I often do frequently in my life, quote my favorite taco commercial when I say "Que no las dos." Like, let's do both. <laughs> let's let's go after if the shit that is being said, and I can I can do the full rundown on the Joss Whedon bullshit. If if even half of it has an ounce of credibility, this guy has got a stay in director jail waiting for him, and he deserves it. And he fucking deserves mm-hmm. it. And part of I think what makes it so offensive is that his art has meant so much to 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 women specifically and because he has held himself up as a feminist i mean like, yeah it's, just, it's the same thing with bill's Co- bill cosby mm. oh god don't say that name uh- <laughs> i'm just saying i was like to say it's the same thing like the dude that meant so much to black culture and and what it was to be a man and a father and a dad and then and then for for like all that stuff to come out Yeah. Well, that's okay. So that's exactly the same point. You're exactly right. Which is that here was a champion and to see your heroes fall so far and to not be anything that they, you know, that they, that they portray in their work, you know, exactly the same thing. Cosby used to get on uh, Eddie Murphy all the time. Like you shouldn't Mm -hmm. curse so much in your act because, because families are listening. That's not very family friendly. When you find out that like, when when he wasn't on stage for an hour, he was about the least family friendly motherfucker you could ever find. Oh yeah, but that so that's where Joss Whedon is now, where he stood himself up as a champion for women's rights, and then basically turned into uh, Kevin Spacey's character from Swimming with Sharks. If you haven't seen that movie, it's funny. Kevin Spacey turned into Kevin Spacey's character from Swimming with Sharks. Oh which man, is can we up. can we talk can we talk a little bit about that video he made? <laughs> when he was trying to play, play, he was like trying to play Frank, but he was shooting it at home, and like that's really oh. psycho video he made. God, <laughs> God. Shit. oh my God! So, all, all, so yeah, all of these assholes. But what this comes from is 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 much the same way as Kevin Spacey's. Is that this behavior stems from what become inscrutable seats of power? That when oh, yeah. you have several billion dollars worth of box office success under your belt when you are legit one of the best writers in Hollywood and that's part of what makes this so painful is that Josh yeah, Whedon Toy is Story, an bro. amazing writer and he creates amazing memorable lovable Agents characters of shield, bro <laughs> but 
But then you have this whole other bunch of shit that you have to deal with. And I think part mm-hmm. of that has affected, um, for example, this most recent project, The Never. So um, what I think is interesting to mention about this before we even get into it too much is, is that you have the... Um, on, on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, the critic score is 48% and the audience score is 83%. And I'm Ooh. willing to bet a portion of that split just comes from, well, like what I just did about uh, Bill Cosby, which is like the fear of saying anything nice about a monster. And oh, so yeah. you can't separate the art from the artist. And so what we're going to try and do is we're going to try and realize that there are literal thousands of other people that worked on this project who are not named Joss Whedon and they Mm -hmm. deserve to have their work seen and celebrated if the quality of it is good. And while, you know, we have to acknowledge before you begin speaking about a problematic piece of art, some of the problems associated with it. I think that once you make that acknowledgement, just judge it on its own merits and don't slam it because you don't necessarily like where it came from. I mean, you know, Henry Ford was a Nazi sympathizer and uh, um, that doesn't mean that every single person who drives a Ford out there should, should get a talking to when they stop at the gas station. So we got to separate oh, right. the history from these things. I mean, like, literally, children's slaves make our phones. Yeah, we're all complicit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We're all complicit, you know? You know, like, that's, why, that's why I wish there was a little bit more. What's what's missing in this in this era is, like, um, you know, forgiveness and, and um, sympathy. I, I agree, but I think you have to ask for it. Yeah. I think that should be a prerequisite for forgiveness is that you should have to ask for it. Like I said, Joss Whedon ain't done. You know, look, if Mel Gibson can come back, if (laughs) Mel Gibson can come back out of director jail, everybody can come back out of director jail. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think Chris Dahlia is getting out of director or uh, actor jail anytime soon because there are some crimes that are just too heinous. But I think that, if the allegations are just that you are shitty, you can do an apology tour. And and I hope it's more than an apology tour. I hope he takes a moment and really reflects on his behavior. But I think the big downfall for him was coming for Gal Gadot. When you tell mm-hmm. somebody who is literally Wonder Woman, who has a billion dollars at the box office, just like you, I will ruin you. I will end your career. Mm-hmm. Get the fuck out of here. Are you insane? Mm-hmm. I don't I don't care who you are. You don't have that like power. I say- like I said, that's a regular day in Hollywood. Right. So let's call <laughs> it all out. And I think you're right. Let's everybody go get, yeah, get I mean, them all. I've heard, I've heard stories with Jamie Foxx, like already being in his prime, having Oscars and like the, the way some of these um, heads of studios talk to him, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, like the way, the way Terry Crews was treated. Oh yeah. Terry Crews is incredibly brave for really being very open about that time in his career. Oh yeah, man. I, can I just say I love Terry Crews? Oh, yeah. Let's just say it. Let's all just say it. We love Terry Crews. Mm-hmm. Terry Crews is a mm-hmm. beautiful man. And he's also my dream casting for The Thing. That'd be bad. That'd be, that I think be bad. if I wanted somebody to play The Thing, I would love Terry Crews as the motherfucking thing because I think that he is a person who does comedy and emotional gravitas with like equal skill and he's got the physical build to carry the character. I think he's 100% would be the whole package for the thing. I probably like to see him as Blue Marvel. I'm not familiar with Blue Marvel. Blue Marvel, he's uh he's that he's a Marvel superhero, like like genius, like 
like Superman. He's like so powerful. So that's why I like you because you know a lot more like more modernistic comics, and I'm I'm way more old school. I'm gonna look into the blue. He's comic. a he's a he's an older character. Is he really? Mm-hmm. Well, shit. Then I got no excuses. Yeah. I'm gonna look into it. Yeah, <laughs> Blue Marvel. But yeah, superheroes though. So the Nevers, the Nevers. Now you've seen uh, one episode, right? Yeah, I saw the pilot. The pilot. I'm so glad. I'm so glad I watched it because you know I was a huge, like there's a lot of stuff that I love that Whedon did. Um, I I miss, I basically missed um Buffy, but I watched Angel, and um I I remember I f- I flipped I f- I f- totally flipped when I realized he like basically helped put Toy Story together. Yeah. You know? And, um, yeah, then, like, his, of course, his work on the Avengers, especially the first one, mm-hmm. and then, you know, he, he put together Agents of the Shield, which is one of my favorite TV series ever, you know? So, oh, then, like, Firefly? I oh, mean, yeah, she, not she, even to mention Firefly. You know? Uh, what was what's so funny about this show is, like, I'm not used to him doing, like, uh, TV mature so it was a little jarring uh, seeing, seeing like his kind of like uh, plucky sort of uh, um, uh, a tone. And then then like like R-rated stuff would show up. <laughs> like what? <laughs> See, if I'm going to have did one. You, I, did you feel that? Yeah. Well, I feel like I feel like there's a lot of shifting of tone. And if I'm going to have a criticism for this, I think it almost tries to get too much done. Um, yeah. I feel like the story is a little overburdened by villains. I think we got too many villains, but I also think that it's supposed to be a bit of a mystery as to whose side everybody is necessarily aligned with. But I do feel mm-hmm. like some of the transitions are a little bit clunky. Yeah. I was like, what titties? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They went full game of throw. Yo, warning and spoilers or, you know, anticipation. This show's going to drop some dong on you. I don't know exactly when it does it, but this this show is going to go full Game of Thrones and drop some frontal male nudity on you. There definitely was frames that that were very reminiscent of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, they're going to drop it on oh, you. Oh, so so now that we're on, actually on the Nevers now, I I, I kind of brought it up earlier because I brought about the Runaway Runaways comic. Joss Whedon specifically wrote a Runaways of arc. That had the the gang going back to Victorian England, mm, farming old material. Yes, and he made a character that had powers of uh, sprouting plants, and he put. I really feel like he put that character right in the beginning where they where, the, where they go to the orphanage. Yeah, as an Easter. You egg. see a little girl sprouting plants. I really feel like that was an Easter egg for his character in Runaways. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I mean, this show trades on a lot of tropes. All right? I mean, a mm-hmm. lot of tropes. So, you know, you've got you've got the James Bond trope of the plucky sidekick who makes all your gadgets. Yeah. So that's a pretty classic, you know. Um, yeah, there's, there's trope. The, you see you see all of the kind of the Whedon uh, 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 like stacks of characters like. You know, he, like you know, what what was what was her name? Um, that uh, the girl from the Terminator series, Glau, Summer Glau, oh from from Firefly. I can't place it. Well, so typically, uh, Whedon has he just has like his his uh, types of like characters that show up in his stuff. Mm-hmm. So like at some point, there's usually 
like some girl who has like an ailment, but there's there's something special about her, <laughs> like and like and like they usually have some sort of like a language issue. <laughs> well, and a lot of people have said online that the villain Malady is like a revamp of a Buffy villain. Oh, okay, They're basically note for note, it's the same character. You see, that's what I'm saying though. Like he like he has these stock characters that uh, kind of show up again. But that actress goes was to the cabinet, that pulls them out. actress was fantastic, man. Amy um, Amy Manson is Malady. Yes, when she was on stage, that monologue. Oh my god! Uh, well, when can we talk spoilers? Uh, I've been holding back for so long. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. So we'll talk a little spoilers in a moment. But for anybody who just wants a little bit of understanding about the show, the show follows main characters uh, Mrs. Amalia True and Miss Penance Adair as they run an orphanage for special youngsters. Predominantly, the show revolves around these women and most mostly women, but not exclusively who have been, quote, touched during an event that happens three years prior to the time that we are actually engaged in the episode. These women then develop uh, special powers, some men as well, but the show makes special effort to show that it is largely marginalized citizens who have received these powers and then goes on to explore the ways that regular people with superpowers might turn the social apple cart, so to speak. So we follow these two main characters as they go on and sort of, you know, Professor X slash Magneto style mission to collect up these special individuals and bring them back to a school where they can teach them to use their powers. But for what reason, we don't really know just yet. And so um, there are a number of other people living in the same world. Oh, this uh, takes place in London in uh, 1899. And there are a number of other entities who would, of course, like to acquire these superpowered individuals for their own more nefarious ends. And it is Amalia um, True and Penance Adair's job to keep these people out of their clutches and also discover the, the reasons for their machinations. Would you say that's a pretty good summary? Yes. <laughs> Wait, would you enthusiastically say it, please? Yes. <laughs> oh, and 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 also uh Nick Frost is in the show. Oh so, yeah, King of on. Beggars. <laughs> the beggar king Nick Frost, who is legit frightening. Man, who is he's legit dope. scary he's, in this he's show? He's been dope for years. So versatile for years and years he's and so years. So fucking versatile. Hell yeah, man. I love when I love when he was a dwarf. I love when he was a dwarf in uh Snow White and the 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 warrior? Huntsman. <laughs> what was it? Yeah, the, the huntsman. huntsman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, That's was funny. was it that one? Because there was two Snow White movies that were out at the same time. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it was, was that it one, Twi- right? Uh, where, uh, where, where the Twilight, uh, Kristen Stewart played Snow White. Is that the one? There was two of them. One, I don't know. I, th- I think I think that was the one where they had like real looking dwarves, and like Nick Nick Frost Nick Frost was one of them. I'll be honest, I don't remember it. But yeah, so from this point forward, now that you understand a bit about the show, if you'd like to stop the podcast now and then go watch it, please go do that because spoilers ahead. Mm-hmm. All right, Arthur, spoil the shit out of it. Spoilers, 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 spoilers. Um, yeah, man, titties. <laughs> so many. If it really felt, it really felt a lot like a Game of Thrones in that way. I mean, it's, it's HBO. HBO love their titties, man. Like they find a way to put titties in everything. I think they had titties in Babar at one time. 
Jesus Christ. I just get <laughs> Well, it makes sense because there was very little overall privacy in the Victorian era. Getting your own room to yourself would be difficult. Um, and it's Joss Whedon. So if we don't have some woman half dressed while she's punching the shit out of, you know, a dozen guys, then is it really a Joss Whedon show? Yeah. So, uh, so the thing is, I wanted to juxtaposition this with uh, Jupiter's Legacy, which we watched as well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this show just does it right. Like it just, like they they have a, a unique way of delivering these characters and their issues and their past traumas and their powers without it being trite or or just run of the mill, you know. Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. of course you know being a good writer helps out a lot, establishing a world and not having like, like I I just don't understand what they did with. Jupiter's legacy like it, it couldn't be f- so like opposite and that was a really good book that was definitely aided by uh Frank Quietly's artwork um yeah like uh uh what's the name of that Scottish writer that did uh that did uh Jupiter's legacy and and like uh Mark Miller Mark Miller yeah like like I mean his writing is usually a lot better too like I don't know what happened with the 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 teleplay for for Jupiter's legacy, but it's so on the nose and it's just like uh, it's just a, a, a like a real work to watch it versus something like the Nevers where it just feels like so great and it's like you're you're already taken into the world. You know, I always like to see like a lot of great strong female protagonists, so you can always you know be happy to see that with uh, with the Joss Whedon project. You know, um, you know, but you know, the only thing that sucks is like you know all of this behind the behind the scenes stuff. It kind of kind of like messes up the party. But that being said, seeing what's happening on the screen is is so good. You know, mm-hmm. like um, one one of my favorite parts is um, how uh, is it Malady? Yep. Like how sh- uh, so so the basically at the end of this thing. They show how all these uh, people, these touched people, got their powers and how they forgot. But you see Malady, when she gets her powers, she didn't forget. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was freaking awesome. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, so it's funny. This is one of those rare times where you and I are going to flip roles uh, for this portion of the episode. Oh, you didn't like Because usually I'm the like, everything's amazing. And you're like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> it was awful. You know it was awful. Stop being so positive. I really didn't care for that bit at the end. Oh, I yeah? felt like, all right, well, here's the thing. This show... All and I'm gonna. This is the last time I'm gonna say it. All issues with Joss Whedon aside, this show is well written. Mm-hmm. Whereas a, a different writer, say something like like Jupiter's Legacy, if we're gonna unfortunately gonna beat it with that cudgel, would collapse under the weight of the amount that it's trying to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, this show struggles under the weight a little bit. I didn't feel like I needed to get that in episode one that I didn't, I sort of wanted to revel in the mystery a little bit of, well, is it, is it aliens or is it God? Cause they're playing with all of those themes. And, and one thing that, that in an interview, uh, Joss Whedon had said about this, this project was he said, one of the themes of this project is going to be the meek shall inherit the earth. 
Mm-hmm. And so, and there are religious overtones, especially running through that first episode. Mm-hmm. So I think by giving us space aliens, or at least what, I mean, I can't say for certain that it is distinctly space aliens, but what appear to be some kind of spaceship that spits out, you know, the material that gets on people and gives them superpowers potentially. I felt like maybe I got that a little early, but I understand why you do it, but that's part of my problem in that this show is trying to get so much done that I feel like sometimes some of the 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 tension gets broken too early. Hmm. I really do. I think it's I think it's overloaded with villains. Um, so that it's very hard to actually get a bead on them per se. I think it does a great job of fleshing out the main, main characters. And I'm hoping that as I watch more episodes, because I'm now three episodes in, which is about halfway through the first half of the season, um, we are starting to get some more character development, but I'm finding that I'm getting a lot of character twists before I necessarily understand who a character is. Okay. Well, I've only seen the pilot. I'm I'm happy with mm-hmm. what I've seen. I I think I mean. Oh, you're gonna be super happy with what comes later. Like, I, and again, I'm 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 you know picking nits on this thing where I'm just complaining about maybe some pacing issues. The costume design is exemplary. Uh, it looks so clean mm-hmm. and expensive, which compared to Jupiter's Legacy, which looks like a, a goddamn WB show, if I'm being honest. Especially when you stick these two things next to each other. Yeah. And I would presume they have similar budgets, but this looks like lush and the color and, and everything about it looks looks cinematic. And then you look at Jupiter's Legacy. Um, I don't think, man, I don't think I have similar mm. budget at all. I mean, you got one. No, you don't think so. No, man, you got you got a thing that's like completely period, with like so many extras. <laughs> I mean, this is this is HBO, man. Like, there's there's serious money behind Endeavors. Like anything that's period like that, and you have to shoot like that, like over and over again. You know, there, there's a couple of period pieces in. You know what? There is a couple of period pieces, um, but it's, it doesn't stay period. Though. No, no, right, because Jupiter's Legacy has a lot of period flashbacks. And yeah. Can we talk about, again, jarring storytelling? Like, I want to spend a little bit more time with certain characters. This whole Pulp Fiction making me do the past and the present at the same time thing, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't... I don't, I'm not in for it. Like, I feel like that episode of Rick and Morty where they're like, I feel like stories begin where they begin, not where they get interesting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, like tell me it's just, it chops up the action and it makes me pay attention to two things at once where I I don't even know what's going on yet. Like if you want to do that later on, just give me one solid episode so that I can get to know and get to care about the characters a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel yeah. like the Nevers does that much better than something like Jupiter's Legacy. Oh yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I just I don't know. Like, that's one of my problems with like the superhero stuff. Like, I mean, the superhero genre right now it's 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 very very saturated, oversaturated. Oh, hyper saturated. And um, you know, so if you're gonna come up come up with something, you really got to like really come at it at a different angle. It's like everything about Jupiter's Legacy. Again, I really feel what only made the comic book great was the art, you know, <laughs> because otherwise, you know, it has every archetype for every superhero we've seen before, you know. 
so so they didn't take that like so like it uh, honestly it should have just been animated in the style of Frank Quietly's stuff then 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 I think it would have been better <laughs> versus making it live action. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't feel like it's like um oh god, what was the name of the Marvel property that flopped? Not the uh the um Oh, the the Inhumans. Yes, the Inhumans. No, I don't think it's like Inhumans bad. And I don't think it mm-hmm. looks Inhumans bad. But I feel like it winks and nods at itself too much off the bat. Mm-hmm. Whereas, because oh, you yeah. want you want it to be one thing or the other. And, and you're right about the saturation in comic book properties and how you have to differentiate yourself. And I think a huge portion of the market has decided they're going to differentiate themselves with violence. So mm-hmm. we're going to give you the blood. We're going to give you the real gritty superheroes. And I feel like when you're pitching this book, that's still really hot. And now that ground has been tread quite a little bit by superior products like the boys and invincible. And even maybe even the nevers as well might be counted amongst those at some point when we see how it finishes. But so if you're going to come with the gritty, violent superhero stuff, then give us a reason. Now, how are you different from that? Yeah. And I, I felt like the, again, spoilers, we're spoiling everything today. Um, we, <laughs> <laughs> I felt like the deaths at the end of that episode were super cheap. And I don't like, I think they're supposed to be shocking, but I don't know any of those characters. You showed me like a whole superhero team. I'm like, oh damn, there's a whole team of them. And then just start killing yeah. them. The one, yeah. the one dude who dies, we get a little bit of character development in a bar scene earlier in the episode, but otherwise, yeah, doesn't mean anything. There's no real reason. Like, I don't, I don't know how much I should care. Like, did this guy take out the baddest of the bad superheroes, or did he take out the B Squad? Like, I have no idea what the stakes are. Yep, I mean that's that's part of the that's part of the issue. Yeah, so I mean. It was it was a breath of fresh air watching Nevers. I mean, <laughs> I I think it was pretty well balanced as far as the villains, because I mean, like there's different types of villains. You have like the you know the you have the authority fig figure who's gonna you know like who on a macro sense can become a problem for the Nevers, especially when there's this kind of um, uh, chauvinist thing that's happening too, you know, and then so then then you have like. Uh, the other group of villains who are like who are just kind of like gathering people up, you know, with like and you have a nice, really cool action scene. Oh, the action remi- that's re- re- reminiscent of the Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and then then you have somebody who's more formidable villain, and you know, I got I mean I I thought that was fine for like a like something that was like like an hour hour and some change uh, maybe pilot see i've seen more of the show by this point than you have and there Mm -hmm. there are there's more bad there's more baddies coming so i think maybe that's why i have that impression already because like you're right we've we've got some some bad guys off the you know off you know out of the beginning episode but there are even more bad guys coming and then even the the good guys start to get a little bit nebulous as far as people on the team who could be trusted or not necessarily trusted i i have no knowledge of what those payoffs are but they're definitely sowing a lot of seeds of doubt for for everyone um mm-hmm. and so it's for me it's getting it's getting just a little bit cluttered and I'm hoping that the mm. next episode will simplify some shit. 
because I'm I'm through the first three and we're going to introduce even more characters. Like you're just getting a taste of all of the characters that they are going to introduce and we're getting even more of them. We're going to get more info on more of them. And this thing's get only getting bigger faster, which I think could be to its credit if it wraps up the story well. And I think that the characters that they are hinging the show on are legit very much likable and do an excellent job uh, despite the fact that there isn't like a quote unquote star anywhere in this property necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't really recognize anybody. No, at first I thought yeah. Laura Donnelly was Kristen Ritter when I first saw yeah, her. She, lo- she looks a lot <laughs> like Kristen Ritter. I was like, you're European Jessica Jones, aren't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She looks just like Kristen. Well, I think that's I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. So, um, so if you're listening, go catch up on uh, on the Nevers, and uh, you know, I'm I'm probably gonna finish Jupiter's Legacy. I also thought that it was like a spinoff of Jupiter Ascending when I first like heard about the thing, which was like mm-hmm. that awful movie from what was it, two thousand five or something. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't I don't think Jupiter's Legacy is 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 helped by that association because I don't think I'm the only one to make that mistake. I'm sure I'm not the only one to make that mistake. You're like, oh God, a sequel to that awful? They made a TV show out of that? Like, all right, awful is a bad word. That movie's insane. That movie makes mm-hmm. no qualms for what it is. I don't care for it, but I will give them credit for balls. Um, so yeah, so I'll watch both those things and I hope anybody who's interested in that stuff will uh, listen and follow up with us. If people want to follow up with us in the social media world, where do they find you, Arthur? You can find me on my website, ArthurRomeo.live, where you can see all a bunch of fun stuff. And uh, you can go to my Instagram. I have two Instagrams, one for my YouTube channel, Draw Really Awesome Wow, at Draw Really Awesome Wow, and also at Arthur Romeo. Oh, no, 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 uh, at Dreamboat82. <laughs> I need, oh, I need to, yeah. I need, I need to consolidate all those <laughs> so, so it could be a little bit more simpler. <laughs> but that's basically where you can find me. Where can they find you, Mr. Olton? I don't have quite the presence you have. You can find me on uh, Instagram at Thomas.Olton, or you can find me on Facebook at just plain old Thomas Olton. And if you really want to go looking way deep, you can find me on YouTube where I have videos of me playing the guitar from like 10 years ago. So I don't recommend you comment yeah. there. <laughs> I don't read those very often, but that's where you can find me on the social media. <laughs> oh, man. All in all, I'm really happy um, that I have a new show to watch right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. All right, my friend. All right. Well, thank you so much. And uh, thank you all for listening. Arthur, tell him that show one more time. Tales to admonish. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way you do that shit. <laughs> oh, thank you, baby. <laughs>